Jesus entering into Jerusalem is a significant event that took place in the history of Christianity before his crucifixion. In fact, all the four Gospels, Gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all account this particular instance of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. You know, today the whole world is celebrating or remembering the Palm Sunday in many different ways. But this morning, if you make a quick journey along with me to Jerusalem, how many of you are willing to come with me to Jerusalem? I mean, soon we will plan a trip too, but now, right now, you know, virtually we are going to Jerusalem. So, yeah, please put your hands down. Thank you. So this morning, we are making a quick trip to Jerusalem to see what is happening there in the streets of Jerusalem. But we are not ending our tour right there. Or we are not coming back without having a peek into what was going on there beyond the celebration in Jerusalem. And this morning I would like to title my sermon as Beyond the Celebration. Can you read that with me? Beyond, a little out loud. Beyond the Celebration. We are reading from Mark chapter 11. If you can turn your Bible or look at the screen, we are reading from Mark chapter 11 verses 1 through 11. Mark chapter 11 verses 1 through 11. Let's not miss a word. Let's not miss a sentence. Now when they drew near Jerusalem, Oh, so here we come across one of the cities that, you know, it's hard to pronounce. It's like Mississauga or Albuquerque. It's a little tricky. It's Bethphage or Bethphage or Bethphage. Anyway, one of them. And Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Lose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. I just really love that, the response. The Lord has need of it. What's your problem? The Lord needs it anyway. Just release it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street. And they lose it. But some of those who stood there said to them, What are you doing? Losing the colt. And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloths on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David. Then comes in the name of the Lord. That comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Verse 11. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This morning we are talking about and trying to identify, trying to find what was going there beyond the celebration. 
We read about what was going there as part of the celebration that was happening there. You know, on the day when we see, when Jesus went into Jerusalem, everything was starting in a good note. There's a great celebration. Jesus was entering into the city of Jerusalem. Multitude gathered at the side of the road, throwing the cloths and throwing the branches of the trees. And they were shouting, saying, Hosanna. That simply means, save us. <clears throat> Please, save us, O Lord. And that day, everything seemed to be good, going on very well. And even, in fact, the day is ending as Jesus entered into Bethany. Everything went well and everything was perfect. It was not just an ordinary moment. You know, it was a, it was a moment of prophecy. In fact, it was a prophetic moment because Prophet Zechariah, 500 years before, prophesied about what is happening right there in the streets of Jerusalem. Let's read one of the scriptures of the prophetic words. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Can you read that with me? Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. We see colt or an younger donkey was used by God. We are trying to see beyond the celebration. Of course, right now we are in the celebration to see what's happening there. We are talking about a donkey, an animal that is in its season. Can you all say season? Even though the donkey or the colt was tied, it was, can you have the next slide please? It was just ready to find its purpose in life. Can you see all say purpose? Even though the donkey was tied there, it was just right there realizing its purpose of existence. I don't think the donkey that had any other purpose, any purpose other than being a vehicle for the master to ride on. I don't think there is any other great purpose for a donkey than this particular purpose. The donkey was in its season. This morning I want you to pay your attention to me. We are talking about somebody who is tied up here and we are saying that that animal is in its season. You know, it's important for us to find our purpose of life. It is important to find the reason for our existence. Maybe now your season. Now maybe it's your season, who knows? Maybe now is the best time in your life. And I always say, now is the best time. Do not look for another better time. This is the best time which you are given in your hands. Because none of our life is guaranteed. Now is the best time. With all your potential, with all your ability, whatever you want to do for God, do it when? Now, not tomorrow. It's important to find our purpose. We can't wait for a better day, obviously, certainly. We can't think that there's a better day that is going to come in my life. Now is the time to serve God. So in the midst of the celebration, it is good to know the donkey that found its purpose. You know, God had a plan for the donkey. And if God had a plan for an animal, I'm sure God has a plan for you and for me as well. Remember the words of Mordecai to Esther. 
Mordecai wanted to convey this message to Esther saying, who knows, can you read it with me? Who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Who knows whether you have come to Halifax for such a time as this. I'm not looking for a better tomorrow. I mean, obviously we know that God, you know, God can bless our tomorrow too. But I'm just looking, I'm just realizing that now I'm in a, my best time. Because everything is given in my hands. And I have ability to do. I have capacity to perform. I have everything around me. Now is the time. Who knows that we have come here for a time such as this. It is your season and it is your time. You know, as the animal was today, probably we, we may be neglected by people. Or, you know, as the animal was tied up in the pole, we would have just got stuck with our situation. We may be just stuck in our work condition or in our family situation or in our health condition. And that animal that day never realized that it was a moment of its destiny. That animal never realized, never thought that that was the moment of its destiny. It was never, it could never realize that it was its season. But simply the donkey was just standing there and just available to so God. The animal was just tied up there and it was not doing anything, but it was just available for God to ride on. Your education, your social status, it doesn't really matter for God. The donkey was just simply available. Can you say available? Your situation doesn't matter for God. You know, all that we need is that, you know, we should be available so that somebody can come and untie us and, you know, give us to the use of the master. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, sorry, chapter 1 verse 27, this is what he says, he says, but God has chosen the foolish things. And I, I really believe Paul is writing about me. What about you? Yes? Paul is saying, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty we are weak we don't have strength we feel that in our ability our our capacity is already reached the, its limit but god wants us to know this morning that he has chosen that animal and he has chosen me he has chosen you to fulfill his purpose through us. The donkey was needed on that day for God to fulfill his purpose. The donkey was needed on that day for the prophecy to come true. You know, you are needed today for the prophecy that is spoken over you to come alive today. And you know, moment we are not available, moment we are hiding like Jonah, you know, that, that prophecy cannot be fulfilled in your life. God wants you. That animal was just standing there, knowing the purpose of God, knowing its season to fulfill what God wanted to fulfill through that animal. Everyone was happy there, a great celebration. The city appeared to be receiving the king. The king 
Lord Jesus Christ. But that's not all about what we see there. We are trying to see now beyond the celebration. We see at four, we see a fig tree. Can you say fig tree? A fig tree out of its season. We talked about a donkey that was in season. Now we are talking about a fig tree that was out of its season. Again, back to Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 14. Now the next day when they had come out of Bethany, he was hungry, Jesus was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Verse 14, in response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. And what happened? Because Jesus spoke something bad. Some, you know, Jesus spoke a curse over the fig tree. What happened in verse 20? If you can come to verse 20, now in the morning, the next day morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from its roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. We are trying to see beyond the celebration, and beyond the celebration, we see a fig tree standing there. It was not the next slide, please. It was not the season for figs to ripe. Listen to me carefully. It was not a season for figs. Fig trees naturally grow fruits before leaves come out. Fruits, what comes first? Egg or chicken? Egg. <laughs> chicken. <laughs> what comes first? Leaves or fruit? What did they say? Leaves. How many of you say leaves? Amen? How many of you say fruits? Amen? How many don't say anything? Amen? You are very clever. So fig tree naturally grows leaves, no, fruits before leaves. Okay, again, I know we are trying to just come out of our morning time, right? So what comes first again? Hmm. Okay, let's close our eyes and pray now, right now. <laughs> what comes first? Fruit comes first. Can you say fruit? Fruit comes before the leaves. You're trying to confuse me. Fruit comes first and then leaves. Okay? Now, but in this orchard, the tree is an exception, fully covered with what? Leaves. Jesus was very hungry and he was drawn to this tree because he was hungry and he came assuming that he can find some fruits to eat because if leaves are there fruit must be there because fruit comes first and he came there near the tree to thinking that you know he can get some fig fruits but its appearance seemed to be very deceptive just had a great celebration and jesus is moving into the city and jesus saw this fig tree and he realized that appearance of the fig tree is so deceptive Jesus was searching for fruits in the branches, but he could find only what? Leaves, no fruits. So Jesus realized the tree is giving a very fake appearance. It appeared to be full of fruits, but 
It's full of leaves. Then Jesus said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And obviously the fig tree had to dry it up, get it dried up. A fig tree, we are talking about a fig tree that is out of season. Fruit was not expected in that season, but because it had full of leaves, fruit was expected. Listen to me carefully. This fig tree really raised the expectation of Lord Jesus Christ and caused him to get disappointed. It raised the expectation of Lord Jesus Christ and caused disappointment to him. Jesus entered into the city with a great expectation of seeing the praise and worship that went ahead of him as he was entering into the city or driving over the animal. There was so much of honor and so much of welcoming happening to Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus was in a great disappointment right now. You know, victory refers to the Jewish nation because of their pride, because of their outward appearance, because of their pretense they appeared to be very impressive spiritually but there was no fruit you know god wants us to bear fruit always can you say fruit god is not pleased with our outward appearance amen amen god is not at all pleased with our outward appearance you know most of the time the outward appearance is deceptive most of the time the outward appearance is deceptive but god is interested he's very much interested to know what is behind those leaves what is behind those leaves you know god had all the right to expect fruit even in out of season listen to me carefully you can't say that this is not my season i'm not expected to produce fruit if you are a child of God, we can't say that. Paul writes when he wrote to Timothy saying, 2 Timothy 4.2, can you read the scripture with me? He says, preach the word, all of you out loud, preach the word, be ready, hmm? Hmm? convince, rebuke, exhort, with all love, long-suffering patience and teaching. The first section is very important. Be ready in season and out of season. You know, in the life of a child of God, there is nothing like out of season. Can you wake up this morning? Amen. It's a wake-up call for me. It's a wake-up call for you. In the life of a child of God, there is nothing like out of season. That simply means we can never stop doing what we have been doing. Amen. Are you with me? We can never stop doing what we have been doing. God expects us to do, in fact, more than what we have been doing the last year. It's hard, but it speaks to me. It's hard, but it speaks to you. A child of God can never say, I'm tired of doing something for God. I am tired and sick of doing something for God. A child of God can never say, I don't feel like singing. I don't feel like preaching. I don't feel like loving. I don't feel like caring. I don't feel like serving God anymore. We cannot say. You know, if we say that, we are disappointing God. We are disappointing God. Can we stop praying? I don't know. You need to help me. Can we stop praying? 
Can you stop reading your word? Can you stop singing? Can you stop preaching? I'm looking for an opportunity and one Sunday morning I stop preaching. Somebody else preaches. And God speaks to me now. <laughs> and he says, what are you thinking? You can't? Stop. <laughs> Who said that? Okay, that must be my wife. <laughs> when she says escape, then that must be my wife. Hmm. You can't stop preaching. You can't stop serving. Can you quit ministry? I don't know. Can you quit ministry? Respond to me. But I know one thing. There's a great expectation of God over you and over me. There is a great expectation of if God had so much expectation on that donkey on the day that need to be untied and brought to, to serve the purpose of the master. And with the same expectation, he approached the fig tree and he got totally disappointed. The curse on the fig tree that made the tree to wither. There's so much is going on in my mind as I preach. Because of the tree, the pretense of the tree, because of the outward appearance of the tree, because what the tree is supposed to produce even in out of season, because of the expectation of God, the end is not good. The end of the tree is not good. The tree withered away. The tree withered away. I don't know what God is telling us this morning, but God is telling us one thing, that there is a great expectation of God over your life and over my life. Amen? You know, God is up to something this morning and He's expecting something from you and He's expecting a surrender to you from your life and to serve God and to follow God very closely. And He did not stop there. What else was beyond the celebration? Beyond the celebration, we see the city that lost its opportunity. The city that lost its opportunity. If you can quickly go to Luke chapter 14, sorry, Luke chapter 19, verses 41 to 44. Luke chapter 19. This morning we are reading a couple of scriptures. Luke chapter 19, verse 41. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, If you had known even you, especially in this, your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in one, in on every side, verse 44, and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon other, another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. You did not know the time of your visitation, the city, the loss that lost its opportunity. The city that lost its opportunity, you know, opportunities are not going to be there forever. There were enough opportunities given for the city to realize it's Messiah. This is a sad scene that what we see here right now. Jesus, the Messiah, came near the city and he is weeping over the city. What 
we talk a little bit about Jerusalem, Jerusalem was a holy city, was built on Abraham's Mount Moriah and David's Mount Zion. It's believed that its foundation rested upon Salem of Melchizedek. If you remember, the king of Salem, Hebrews 7, well, chapter 7, verse 1 says, the city was built over Salem. It was made the capital of God's nation during the reign of King David. And eventually the city was destroyed when Babylonians take, the Babylonians have taken the children of Israel as captives. And after the captivity, Jerusalem was rebuilt by the remnants. They came under the leadership of Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. And the city had heard the voice of the Messiah. Can you just imagine? The city literally heard the voice of the Son of God. The, the feet of the Son of God touched the sands and the land of the city. The city had seen God Almighty, seen our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ his face to face. One day the prophets are telling us that this city is going to be the capital city of the kingdom, of the eternal kingdom on the earth. But as the awful day of crucifixion is approaching, Jesus was weeping over the city. Jesus was literally crying over the city. The day started, the previous day started with a great celebration. Jesus came there with a great expectation. He came to the victory and re realized it's all fake. It's all folly. There is nothing real. It's all just made up. There's no faith. There's no prayer. There's no life. It's all just fake. And Jesus was about to cry. And he saw the city. And then he was approaching the city. He saw the city. And he couldn't even control the Son of God. He wept. He cried. You know, you remember Jesus preached the same sermon a few days before in the synagogue. Uh, maybe in Jerusalem somewhere and in the concluding part of that sermon this is what he said Matthew chapter 23 verses 37 to 39 oh Jerusalem Jerusalem this happened a few days before the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings but you were not willing same thing today same thing today inside the church and outside the church people do not want to come back to god and was 2038 see your houses left to do desolate was 39 for i say to you you shall see me no more till you say blessed is the blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord and they are seeing him now for the one last time as jesus was entering into jerusalem the same Jesus who came to the victory with an expectation of receiving something from the victory came to this earth with an expectation of his people receiving him as the Messiah. But John writes in John chapter 1 verse 11, he says, He came to his own and his own did not receive him. You know what a situation it is for Lord Jesus Christ. Think about your situation. If you are rejected by your very own child, if you are rejected by your own spouse, if you are rejected by your parents, and you are asked to get out of your house, if you are asked to leave, if you are rejected by the church, and if you are asked to leave, you know how your heart will be aching. It is the same pain that Jesus was going through. 
He came for his own. His own did not receive him. Jesus not only came with an expectation, he gave him opportunity, gave them plenty of opportunity for them to receive him, but they did not. The city of Jerusalem was really filled with his own people, people of God. The chosen people of God, the cultivated olive trees was seen everywhere in Jerusalem. And but then they would not realize that he is the Messiah. They did not receive their king. Bible says the salvation went to the Gentiles. Jesus is okay with it. Jesus is okay with it. But he's not fully happy. He's obviously he's not fully happy. Now John writes saying, John chapter 1 verse 12, if you can read with me. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. You know how we get this? How, we, how did we get this? Because his own people rejected him. We all got the opportunity and the privilege to become children of God. Now as soon as Jesus entered into Jerusalem, he remembered his family. He remembered his own people. He had no option other than crying for them. He remembered the danger that is going to be going that is ahead of them. He knew that everybody is going to be killed and everyone is going to be destroyed. The temple of God is going to be destroyed. And he just remembered the, the pain and the agony that is about to come upon the land. Jesus had no option other than crying for them. The days are going to come. The days of Son of Man is going to come back on this earth. It symbolically gives a, gives a judgment, a call of God on that day. Because we know when the city was totally destroyed by the Romans, we realized the judgment right there came because they rejected their Messiah. And what about today? What about today? To what is happening today? People reject Jesus. The cities, they don't turn to God. The nations are turning against God. God's own people are rebelling against God. What is going to happen? Romans 8.34 says, Now Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father and he is interceding for us. The cry that he began as he was entering into the streets of Jerusalem, an intercession cannot happen without a cry. And today Jesus is sitting seated at the right hand of the Father and he is still crying for you and crying for me. The amount of rebellion that we have within us, the amount of disobedience that we show to God, and he is still crying for us. And on the day Jesus was crying, and today he is crying that no one should perish. No one should perish. The city disappointed Jesus. I may ask a question to myself. Am I a child of God who received Jesus? If you want to say, ask the same question to you. Are you a child of God? Are you willing to receive Jesus? This evening, this morning, we are going to get into a time of prayer. Soon I finish the last one. Beyond the celebration, we see something else. Finally, the temple that lost its call. The temple, the city that lost its opportunity, and now we see the temple that lost its call. Mark chapter 11, if you can come with me, verses 15 to 17, Jesus cleanses the temple there. 
Mark 11:15 So they came to Jerusalem then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves Verse 69 He would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple Verse 17 Then then he taught saying to them Is it not written my house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations but you have made it a den of thieves. Jesus would have visited the temple, if you can see the next slide. If Jesus would have visited the temple many times, many times in the word of God we read, Jesus visited and he was preaching in the temple of God. But people have never seen Jesus with such a great fury. Jesus was very, very angry at this moment because Jesus realized the temple and the people of God they just lost the call of God they were buying and they were selling inside the temple and you know what Jesus just began to drive them out you know he just drew them out all those who are bringing and selling and he overturned turned the tables and he threw the seats of the money changers the place where truth must be preached has become a business center the place where holiness must be practiced the world has came into that place the place that is supposed to be the house of prayer the original call of God that has become a den of thieves that's where they lost their call that's where they lost their call we are this morning we are seeing beyond the celebration things look very beautiful things looks awesome outside but when we go into the lives when we go into individually personally family to family what jesus may find will that disappoint lord jesus or will that make him happy jesus waited patiently for 33 years but not anymore not anymore it's time to drive out everything so that the temple can be cleaned up it was time to throw everything that is not of God from the lives of the people of God so that they can realize the original call of God in their lives the question that I have to ask or we have to ask have we, have we lost our call have we lost our call you know we are all called to run this race there is no doubt about it otherwise we are not here the reason why we are here we are all called to run this race i want to pay attention to this particular scripture hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 we are just not going to just quickly read but we are just going to sp spend some time just looking at the screen therefore can you read that with me therefore we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight let's pass lay aside every weight the weight that doesn't allow us to obey the call of God the weight that we carry that doesn't allow us to obey the call of God in our lives I don't know what that weight may be we need to define that weight it's something which is heavy over our lives 
Maybe sickness in your family. Maybe your death situation. Maybe your health condition. I don't know what is the weight that's, you know, bothering us, tying us so deep to the ground. Or it may be the mortgage that you just got and we are unable to pay and you leave for that and you tear your life, you struggle over it, you are living, you just forgot the call of God and now you need to pay mortgage every month and you work towards it. There is something that is heavy in our lives that waits that doesn't allow us to do the call of God, follow the call of God, do the will of God. The weight that wastes our days. The weight that keeps us away from God. The writer of Hebrews says, let us lay aside every weight. Every weight that will make us to lose the purpose of God in our lives. And the sin which so easily ensnares us. Sin doesn't leave us. It it ties us to the ground, to the world. It doesn't leave us. Sin easily makes us to lose the purpose of God in our lives. So the writer of Hebrews says, so let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and you can read together, and let us run with endurance. So that endurance, that simply means let's run with patience, you know. There are times we get so disturbed. There are times we just walk away from the call of God because we don't have patience and we don't have determination and God is saying, uh, telling us run with patience and run with the determination the race that is set before us the race that is set before us it may not be a smooth ride there may be bumps there may be turbulence there may be you know so many things happening there may be a turns and twists and every, everything may be on our way that is the race that is set before us and God wants us to run that race. We may not like it. We may be carrying heavy weights and trying to run in that race. And I believe God is speaking to us this morning. That's what we are trying to do. We so heavy on us, but we'll still try to run that race with a heavy burden. God wants us to run that with patience. Was to, was to say, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising or disregarding the shame that is associated with the cross and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God God wants us to look into Jesus what he was going through on the day you may be going through you may be looking into your own life and get disappointed at times Jesus was so disappointed that made him to cry that made him to get angry we see a glimpse of the judgment of God coming upon the house of God Bible says the judgment of the God judgment of God will (coughs) excuse me will begin in the house of God the judgment of God will begin in the house of God was shown in front of our eyes God wants us to turn back to God. God wants the church to turn back to Him. What is our condition today, this morning? What is our condition? Beyond the celebration, Jesus saw the deceptive nature of people. Jesus saw the city that lost its salvation. The people of God who lost salvation. 
the people of God who lost their call. But the donkey found its purpose. Shall we all just stand this morning?